Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm really just shocked at how different this entire experience has been mental health wise for me versus like the first time that I bought property. And I'm realizing it's because the first time that I bought property, it was in a place that I didn't want to fucking live in with a person that I didn't want to live with. Oh yeah, no wonder you fucking hated owning real estate. That's why you felt trapped because you were buying a house with an asshole of a person in a place that you fucking hate. I don't have any of those emotions right now. I am very at peace with this. I'm like, yo, I own a fucking property in full in Puerto Rico that I can just hop on a plane and be on the freaking island in two and a half hours and go and sit my ass down on a balcony and listen to the sound of the fucking ocean. Fucking hashtag goals, bruh. Come on. There is no anxiety here. There's just gratitude. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, So you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. There's a lot of nuance to the Puerto Rican real estate market that I did not know until I started being involved. Before we dive into this conversation, I want to preface this by saying, please don't come to Puerto Rico to buy real estate if all you want to do is just pillage. If you don't have an actual relationship with Puerto Rico, if you haven't done anything to advocate for the island, if you haven't done anything during the bad times, whether that's Maria, Fiona, the power issues, the government corruption, if you haven't done anything to advocate for Puerto Rico, please don't be going over there being a colonizer, buying a property. And that might be offensive to some people, but honestly, that's how I feel about it. I really don't want this conversation to encourage people to come and pillage our natural resources. You go and do that shit in Florida. Don't come to Puerto Rico with that bullshit. If you're not willing to be there for the bad, don't be trying to be out here taking advantage of the good. Whoever's triggered by that, well, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Y'all already know. That being said, I want to share with y'all some tips. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. Like, please don't be coming over here exploiting Puerto Rico. If you want to buy a property because you give a fuck about the island and you're planning on being there long term and you're planning on contributing as a well-paying, good citizen, go ahead and do that. But other than that, we don't fucking need you. We don't want you. Let's talk about first off my journey to this new endeavor of mine where now I'm an official property owner in Puerto Rico. So this is something that I have been wanting to do for a while. I've been working on this for a year. And it came fast and furious, (laughs) as they say. I was thinking about buying property in Puerto Rico, honestly, since like mid last year, just because it's my favorite place on planet Earth. Obviously, that's where my family's from. But I also was feeling like I just want to have a deeper connection with the island. And so I made it my mission this year, 2022, to become a property owner in islands. And I wasn't exactly sure how that was going to happen, but I was intentional about not overdoing it when it comes to investing money in the stock market this year, because I knew that I wanted to have enough excess cash flow to like make this happen if the opportunity came about. So at the beginning of this year, I basically like maxed out all my investment accounts so that I didn't have to think about that shit for the rest of the year. And then I was just like squirreling away money, like way too much cash in the bank for normal circumstances. But I knew that I wanted to have it available when the opportunity presented itself. So how did I start this process? I started it often how most people do when they're buying homes in the States, which is going to Zillow, which is mistake number one. Zillow and all the traditional places that you will look for real estate in America are not really the best places to look. 
because Puerto Rico doesn't have like a centralized MLS the same way that you're used to being in, in the States. In order to actually find property, you have to be aware of what the local popular real estate listing databases are. And there are two in particular that are, I would say, the most accurate. The first one is called Point Two Homes, and that's with the number two. So it's Point Two Homes. That's one of the real estate databases that I decided to just subscribe to. And they let you sign up for like what cities you're looking for. And then they'll basically send you alerts very much like Zillow does when something comes up in your vicinity that matches the criteria that you put in to be alerted about. So that's the first real estate marketplace. The second one is called Classificados Online. And that shit literally reminds me so much of Craigslist. It's like an all-in-one. It's not just a place to like list houses. It's a place to like list cars and jobs and all types of stuff. But essentially, there's a section for real estate, which is la, the section that's called Bienes Raices on Clasificados Online. So these are the two most popular real estate databases because Puerto Rico, again, does not have a regulated MLS system the same way that the continental United States does. If you go on Zillow and Trulia and all the places that you would normally look for real estate, typically you're going to see shit that's outdated, could be duplicated, and usually inaccurate. Do not use Zillow if you're trying to find actually available real estate in Puerto Rico. I joined both of those databases and I basically set up like search criteria so that I would get alerted when things that matched my criteria would go on sale. Another thing to know about when you go on Zillow, you can see like typical estimated price, like something that you should be paying for, like what do they call this estimate? There's... There's nothing like that on these websites. So as far as doing like a price shopping, like what should I be paying for this? It's not as straightforward as it is in the United States to get comparable sales data. And typically there are a lot of discrepancies when it comes to pricing, right? Like you might have three different condos in the same building sell for like $10,000 in difference. It really just depends on the time, the eagerness of the buyer, how flexible or inflexible the seller is, all those things. And so houses don't always sell at comparable prices. So it's not the most useful way to go about setting the price that you want to pay for something. That being said, there is a service that you have to pay for if you want comps data. And the website is called Tasa Max. So that's T-A-S-A-M-A-X. It is something you have to actually pay. It's like monthly subscription or something. So we've talked about where do you actually find these listings and then how do you find comparable sales data? So those are the two resources. The next thing we want to talk about, let's talk about safety and like location, like figuring out where you want to buy. So obviously there are lots of beautiful places on the island. If you want the farm life, you get the farm life. You want the island life. You want the city life. You want the southern coast. You want the northern coast. You want the west coast. Like there's so many different places to live. That being said, obviously the most popular market is San Juan, the capital, followed by areas like Dorado, Bahia Beach, Palmas del Mar, those are all heavily populated by expats. Take that with a grain of salt. Like if you're going to be looking where expats typically do look, prices will be higher. That's just a given. A lot of these are like upper end communities. They have all the amenities. They have the gated facilities. They got the infrastructure upgrades, all of that shit. That being said, I've never felt unsafe in Puerto Rico. I will caveat that by saying I also don't hang out 
in the places where it's well known that there are drug issues, gang violence, shit like that, right? Like the same way that you wouldn't hang out in certain parts of LA and certain parts of New York, unless you're just up to no good, Puerto Rico is very much the same. The crime in Puerto Rico is no more higher than most major cities in the United States. I would argue it's probably lower. Obviously, that's anecdotal. But obviously, there are also some areas that are very well known. I think the most famous one is probably La Perla, which is a neighborhood in near Old San Juan that is notorious for like gang activity and drugs and stuff. So it's like, if you're a fucking tourist, don't go buying drugs in La Perla. The same way that you wouldn't go to like the South Bronx and do that shit. Like, don't be stupid, right? <laughs> don't get into shit and you'll be fine. I did not buy in the quote unquote typical expat towns because why the fuck would I want to have a bunch of American old white neighbors? That's not the vibe I was looking for when I'm looking for property. So I actually ended up settling on the area of Luquillo, Rio Grande, Humacao, Fajardo, like that area is on the eastern end of the island and it got some of the most beautiful beaches and it's far enough away from the capital to not be in the chaos of San Juan because honestly, San Juan gives me agita the same way that New York City does. It's just too congested and crazy. But I want it to be within a 30 minute drive of the city so that if I want that vibe for the day, I can go and hang out, party, whatever, and then come back. That's how I picked the place that I wanted to purchase in like city-wise. And I also made it a point to actually go there multiple times, stay there multiple times, check out different buildings that were of curiosity to me. Like I wanted to get to know the security people, how safe does it feel, who's living in these buildings. And so I took about three trips before this one to really feel out the area, see if I felt comfortable there and scoping out what the potential options would be. Luquillo's a vibe, yo. Every time I've told somebody like that's where I bought, they're like, damn, like that's a great area. And I will definitely say it's an up and coming area. Some of the areas of the city will probably shock you if you're from the Midwest, just like abandoned houses, you know, it comes with Puerto Rico. You will have a beautiful renovated home next to an abandoned home, next to an unkept home, next to another beautiful home. Like that's just how life is over there. There's a lot of vacant real estate. Just because an area looks run down doesn't mean that it's unsafe. And I think that's something that, you know, you have to be prepared for just to understand like, what does this mean? What's going on in this area? Is it truly unsafe or is it just that there's been natural disasters that have devastated a lot of the local real estate and some people just can't afford to rebuild, especially when you have government that just doesn't give a fuck. The area is definitely up and coming, but it's also very popular with tourists. And that's another thing that I noticed when I was traveling and visiting and staying there. I'm like, yo, there's a lot of Americans here. There's a lot of people talking English. There's a lot of folks who clearly are not Puerto Rican, but have found this place. They're staying in this area. They're going snorkeling. They're going swimming. They're going surfing. They are hanging out at the kioscos. That gave me a sense of like, okay, this area has potential for me to, if I so choose to use my property as an Airbnb, which I'm not 100% sure I'm settled on right now, honestly. But if I do so choose to do that, I know that there will be a steady inflow of potential renters or whatever. So we've talked about how to figure out a location. Honestly, you have to go to Puerto Rico. You have to like go and vibe out in the towns that you're looking at being in. So staying at hotels in the area, staying at Airbnbs, 
I really recommend staying in Airbnbs just so you can really immerse yourself in the culture, go experience what it would be like to live there. If you can stay at an Airbnb that's located in the building or the area that you're looking at, like even better. That's just how you get the natural experience of like, can I actually do this? Do I want to be here? Does this place feel like where I'm meant to be? And it was definitely confirmed to me in this last trip because I did kind of hop around the island. I literally drove up and down the entire coast, the northern coast, like several times. (laughs) At one point, I was in the car for like six hours. I felt very much like, yeah, I made the right decision. And just because experiencing other parts of the island, like it confirmed to me that that's where I wanted to be. So let's talk about funding. I went with a cash offer. I will explain to you why. But first, I want to just tell you a little bit about how the banking system works in Puerto Rico, because I think it's important to know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everything is going to be in Spanish. Unless you find a mortgage broker that speaks English, which typically you should be able to if you're working with a larger bank like First Bank or Banco Popular. Those are the top two, like, largest, most well-established banks on the island. So that's First Bank and Banco Popular. They will typically have, you know, like, bilingual staff. Not everybody will be bilingual, but they'll have at least one person on staff. So if Spanish is not your strong suit, make sure that you're planning for that. Make sure that you got a translator or that you have a broker that speaks fluent English and that can explain all these technical financial terms and conditions that you are agreeing to on these loans in English. Otherwise, you could end up signing shit. You don't even understand what you're signing. FHA loans are available on the island. You can buy a property with an FHA loan. I know as of 2021, the max limit on an FHA loan is $356,362. I don't know what it is for 2022, but you can absolutely look that up. That's a max for an FHA loan. If you're going to go with a traditional mortgage, especially for an investment property, you must be ready to put 20 to 25% down. That's the only way that they're going to agree to finance you for the most part, if it's an investment property. So you need to have 20 to 25% down payment and you need to be able to show proof of funds. Essentially, the bank's going to ask you for all types of statements, all types of evidence that you can actually afford this mortgage. The good thing is that closing costs are typically much lower than what you might be used to when you're purchasing a property in the States. Closing costs are typically going to be between one and a quarter to two and a half percent of the total purchase price for the buyers, which is really low. So these are for things like getting registered with the Puerto Rico like IRS service, just registering you as a taxpayer, filing fees and attorney's fees. And then when you first make your offer, you're going to have to put anywhere between like 4 and 10% down to move forward once you've agreed on a purchase price. That is logistics on the financing portion of things. Now, I ended up going with cash because knowing what I knew, you know, I've been kind of monitoring this situation for a year plus now. And the real estate market from an investment standpoint in Puerto Rico is 
still on fire in ways that I think might not reflect what's going on in the continental United States. When we're talking about oceanfront, beachfront properties, Airbnbs, investment properties, they are selling above asking price. You're lucky if you pay the actual price that the seller is charging. Typically, you're going to end up paying more. I actually ended up paying right around what the seller was asking for, which is a fucking miracle because she had no reason except my offer. She could have definitely entertained higher bids. But I think that, you know, me explaining my story to her and kind of, she also told me like she was very intentional about who she was going to sell the property to because it was a family inheritance and she didn't want to just have some rando stuck in that building who wasn't going to care. The fact that it was Boricua to Boricua was definitely to my advantage. But typically there are bidding wars still for properties They are definitely selling above appraisal. If you're going to buy cash, typically appraisals are not even a part of the process. It was not a part of the process for me because the places are not going to appraise for what you're going to end up paying for it. And that is why a lot of especially like condo sellers and like beachfront property sellers, they are not interested in talking to finance buyers, to people who are going to use mortgages. They will not even fucking talk to you half the time. If you're not going to pay cash, they're just like, well, we don't want to deal with the financing because the bank's going to come. They're going to appraise it. It's not going to appraise for what we agreed to. And then the buyer is going to be forced to come out of pocket with the difference. So we would just rather have a faster transaction that does not involve the bullshit of the banks. That's exactly why I decided to go with a cash offer because I had already tried going the financing route in the beginning of the year. And the sellers just don't want to hear it. They don't want to fucking hear it. And I don't blame them. And living in Florida, I do have the perspective to understand that that is actually also still happening with oceanfront and beachside properties here. Like cash is king. It's just the nature of the beast when you're looking at these types of properties. Do I recommend going that route? I would say you're in a much stronger position as a cash buyer than you are from a financing perspective. The pricing differential between what you would have to pay for a oceanfront property in, say, like Florida versus Puerto Rico is night and day. My property, it was under $200,000, just for some reference point. For the equivalent in Clearwater Beach, which is probably like the most high-end area near where I live that is like maybe comparable from a marketplace standpoint, that would cost six to $700,000 maybe for the same views that I have. So paying sub $200,000 versus, you know, like six or 700,000, it's night and day. <laughs> That's why I was able to realistically look at being a cash buyer. And if you try to buy a property in San Juan, it's going to cost you half a million dollars. So that's why I didn't even look at San Juan either because I'm like, that is way too much money. So I knew what my budget was. I knew what areas to look for and found something. And one thing about my listing that I want to mention is that it was not actually ever publicly listed. And so now we're going to talk about realtors. The realtor system in Puerto Rico is different as well. When I first got on Clasificados Online, which is the real estate marketplace, I found a property in the building that I was interested in. It's not the property that I ended up going with. What I did take from that listing was the listing agent's information. Because if you are going to shop for property, realtors in Puerto Rico usually serve as dual agents. So I'm not going to have a separate agent and the seller's going to have a separate agent. There's going to be one real estate agent that's handling that entire transaction. Typically, 
on the buyer's end, that means that the realtor that you're talking to is only going to be able to show you a specific set of listings that they are actually responsible for. Whoever is listing the property, that's the only realtor who's going to show you that property. It's not like any realtor can show you that. Once you've exhausted that particular realtor's like catalog of properties, you're going to have to move on to somebody else. Now, my property was not listed yet, but my realtor has enough connections in that building that she knew someone who was planning to sell. And so she contacted her and was like, hey, I know you're planning on putting this property on the market. Don't, because I have a cash buyer who wants to see this and she's going to be in Puerto Rico in two weeks. So do not list it. And so they did not list it, which I'm just like, Thank God, because if they had, by the time I would have gotten to the island, it would have been gone already. This was the only property available in that building that had the waterfront balcony. The other listings that I looked at were on the other side of the building where the street view was what you were going to get. And there was no balcony. And I'm like, yo, if I'm going to fucking move to Puerto Rico and be living next to the ocean, you best believe I ain't been looking at a fucking city view. I want the water. <laughs> So this was the only option with the balcony. And I said, hell yeah, that shit is mine. So the realtor set up the appointment for me to see it basically two days after I got to Puerto Rico. And I had to make an offer like right then and there. It's not like, you know, you go and see the property and then you come back and like you think about it and you're talking about it with your agent and they're talking about it with their agent. No, it's like, do you want this? What are we going to do? And so I was like in the bedroom, the seller is in the kitchen, the realtor is going back and forth, we're negotiating, blah, 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 blah. And then we finally come to an agreement and we shake hands on it and boom, right then and there, I'm signing a paper that says, this is the agreed upon asking price. This is how much deposit I'm going to put down. I put the deposit like via ACH to the realty company just to secure it. And then the next thing was to work on scheduling an inspection and work on the wire transfer stuff and also doing a title study. So title study is pretty much like a title search where you're just making sure that there's no outstanding liens or that this person is actually qualified to sell you the house because they actually are the owners, right? Title study is done. That's typically like around a hundred bucks. And that's something that the sellers will pay for. So one thing that I loved is that I really wasn't responsible for like Closing costs with regards to returnees, title searches and all that stuff, like that's the seller's responsibility is doing all that stuff. My fees were just like the registration with the local and municipal governments to basically like register the sale. When you're actually closing on the property, notaries in Puerto Rico are also attorneys. So you know how like you can walk into a bank here in the States and like get a notary public and they just have to like take some certification exam. In order to be a notary in Puerto Rico, they have to be an attorney. So you're always going to have like an attorney basically serving as a notary during the closing transactions. And they're the person who's going to put together the draft of the purchase agreement. They're going to notarize all the documentation, all that stuff. If the buyer is married, both spouses have to be present and sign at the closing unless a prenuptial agreement is in place because Puerto Rico has community property laws. So if you're married and you want to buy a property in your name only, you cannot do that unless you have a prenup or a postnup because the bank, they're going to ask you for that during the closing proceedings. You have to provide evidence that you have that stipulation in place. Just be aware of that. If you're married and you want to buy a piece of property in Puerto Rico in your name only, you must have a prenup or a postnup. I was shook. 
because the first time that I tried to do it, I was still married. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is bullshit. They're like, no, ma'am. That's how it works here. <laughs> if there's not a reason to get a prenup, ma'am, get your ass prenup. Okay. So the first question is why condo and not a house land? Congrats, by the way. Thank you. First off, I knew I wanted to live near the water. If y'all have seen the news in Puerto Rico in the past five years, they get some hurricanes. And I was like, I will be damned if I buy a one-story house next to the water and that shit gets washed away. Number two, for me, as someone who is hella low maintenance, the idea of maintaining land, it's not for me. I am a low-key lifestyle kind of person, especially in a place like Puerto Rico. The last thing I want to be doing is like mowing lawns and dealing with all that shit. I just want to be responsible for my four walls. So that's why I went with the condo route. The actual building is like 21 stories high. I'm on the 13th floor. I feel good about the fact that I will survive, you know, a catastrophe, whatever, a biblical flood. <laughs> so that's why I went with that. Now, you know, you can absolutely buy like a piece of land in Puerto Rico, like acres and acres of land for like $100,000, whatever, $40,000. You want to go live off the grid? Puerto Rico is where it's at because the fucking grid doesn't work anyway. So you could definitely be like a, a prepper out there unintentionally if you want to. But that's not for me. Exactly. I ain't trying to fuck with these. Yo, these iguanas. <laughs> there was an iguana chilling next to the pool at the condo. And I'm like, this is fucking absurd. There's too much wildlife in Puerto Rico for me to be buying land. So why did I decide to pay cash? Yeah, it's just easier, especially for the type of property that I was looking at. Condo owners don't want to deal with nobody financing. How long did it take you to find? Process duration from start to finish. So I restarted my process to look for a property again in November after giving up in February. And I found the initial property that connected me to the realtor like around Thanksgiving, I saw the property they ended up buying on December 3rd. So I made an offer December 3rd and we closed on December 12th. So that was a whole nine days, y'all. That was nine days to see the property, make an offer, conduct an inspection, orchestrate the finances and close. That was a whirlwind of a nine days. And I somehow managed to do a lot of shit while I was on the island too. It was hella fast. Because I was on a limited time crunch, and if I had to leave, the sale would have to be executed by a power of attorney. That was just going to complicate the situation because, you know, then I have to go and get a lawyer and do all the shit. Blah, 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 blah. The realtor and I said, look, if we can make this shit happen by the time I leave, this would be ideal. That's why it happened so fast. It's just making the most of the time that I had there. I really wanted to just walk away with the keys. Do you know why some sellers are standoffish on buyers with FHA? Well, I can assume that it's because FHA buyers are typically like first-time home buyers, typically lower income, unless you're a savvy real estate investor and you're just using FHA to acquire properties on the cheap. But FHA loans also come with a lot of bullshit. Most importantly, the appraisal. You're going to have to get an appraisal. You're going to get appraised on your value. They're only going to give you a certain part to cover the mortgage, and then you're going to have to come up with it too. Can you name the two websites to find PR properties again? So it is point. Two homes, the number two point two homes, and classificados online. Go to the bienes raices section. How do you go about finding a lender? I didn't finance; I paid cash. But talking to the major banks like First Bank and Banco Popular are your best bet. How much did you pay for the condo? It was under two hundred thousand dollars. Were there other fees like HSA, property tax? Yeah. So my property taxes are like seven hundred dollars a year. It's a fucking joke. 
$700 a year for property tax and the HOA fee is like $150 a month. That's the other extenuating circumstances. Was it daunting paying for something that big in cash? I have scarcity financial issues. So I was pleasantly surprised at how much work (laughs) I've done on my money mindset because I literally had all of this strategically aligned. Like I had the money sitting there with that purpose. I even created a specific sinking fund that said like investment money. So seeing that it was already earmarked for that purpose made it a lot less stressful for me because it's just like, we already called out what this money's for. So I think that's helpful, just creating that pot of money that you know that's for that purpose. And so when you go to actually use it, it's not a big fucking deal because it's like, duh, that's why we did this. I saw a question in the comments that I want to ask. So does cash offer literally mean you have to have the entire amount of the property in your bank account? Yes, that's what that means. You have to have enough funds to cover the entire sale of that property. That's what a cash offer is. Will I show a tour of the condo? So (laughs) let me tell you something. I realized this after like the fact. I was just so caught up in experiencing and imagining myself in the space during the showing that I took zero video. The only video that I have is the one that was originally sent to me by the realtor before I got to Puerto Rico just so that I could see the property video wise and say like, yes, I want to move forward with actually scheduling a showing but I didn't take any video. (laughs) I was just so in the moment. I was just like, holy shit, we're about to buy a fucking condo. And I was just leaning over the balcony like, wow, this is crazy. So I didn't end up taking any video and I didn't obviously get to go back by the time that the sale was closed on Monday. I had already traded in my rental car. And so I'm like, I'm not about to go take a 45 minute Uber to this place and then take another 45 minute Uber back and do a whole bunch of shit. So I am going back in January. I'm going back in mid-January to start the renovation process because the place is not up to date. Kitchen-wise, it's definitely like still 1970s kitchen, 1970s bathroom. It was a family inheritance. So like this is a property that has been in a family for a generation or more. And so I want to update the kitchen and bathroom. And cool story, I was talking to an Airbnb host. The Airbnb that I stayed in to go to on this trip, I actually like sent them a message in the app and was like, hey, I love your place. It's beautifully designed. I just bought an Airbnb. Would you mind sharing your contractor information? And they were so gracious to do so. They gave me his phone number, his name. They told me to refer that I spoke to them. They even gave me the link to Airbnb to set up my own account so that they could get credited for a referral. The owner even gave me their number. They're like, oh my gosh, welcome to the neighborhood. So excited to have you. When you come back, let me know so we can meet, we can get together. So I'm like, yo, that is the spirit of Boricuas, okay? Like as soon as I started speaking Spanish to them, they're like, oh my God, I'm so excited. We got another Boricua Airbnb host here, blah, 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 blah. Make those connections, y'all. Introduce yourself to people. Talk to people. Ask fucking questions. You'd be surprised how many people are just like, really willing to share that information. So now I have a contractor that I'm going to talk to once I get over there. And hell yeah, the people are so generous. All you got to do is ask. You can't be scared. Just tell them what you need and somebody will find somebody who can do shit. That's my next project. I actually want to renovate it before I start using it as a rental property or I start staying there or whatever. Super excited. I'm really just shocked at how different this entire experience has been mental health wise for me versus like the first time that I bought property. And I'm realizing it's because the first time that I bought property, it was in a place that I didn't want to fucking live in with a person that I didn't want to live with. Oh yeah, no wonder you fucking hated owning real estate. 
that's why you felt trapped because you were buying a house with an asshole of a person in a place that you fucking hate. I don't have any of those emotions right now. I am very at peace with this. I'm like, yo, I own a fucking property in full in Puerto Rico that I can just hop on a plane and be on the freaking island in two and a half hours and go and sit my ass down on a balcony and listen to the sound of the fucking ocean. Fucking hashtag goals, bruh. Come on. There is no anxiety here. There is just gratitude. Are you leaving the U.S. for good? (laughs) The moment that the keys were in my hand, I said, bitch, we moving. Because honestly, like, that's where my heart is. I left my soul in Puerto Rico. I am the best version of myself out there. You know, like, you imagine that person that you want to be, like, I'm that fucking person when I'm there. I really do feel like by end of next year, that might be my permanent residence. I'm not even lying. What part of Puerto Rico? Luquillo. So about 30 minutes to the east, near the kioscos. How much do you think you'll spend on rehab? So the place is not huge. It's like 700 square feet. I'm assuming between the kitchen and bath, maybe like 15 grand. And we're not going to do like fancy high-end shit. Especially if we're using it as an Airbnb. Like we're going to do those like PVC cabinets so that you don't get mold and mildew and termites. You know, the bathroom... It ain't going to be fancy. It's just going to be new. Oh, hey, neighbor. Rio Grande. Yes. the Rio Grande is right next door. That's a beautiful area to look for real estate. And there's a lot of nice um, condominium properties out there as well. Uh, Puerto Rico might end up being the new home of Yo Quiero Dinero come 2023, like end of 2023. Like I just renewed my lease here. So I have basically like 12 months to really finalize if I'm going to make that move. My heart is telling me yes. If not now, when? What reason do I not have to go and do that at this point? Like, there is literally nothing holding me back. And it's such a freeing thing to have that knowledge, to know that like, yo, bitch, you can do whatever you want. (laughs) So I hope this was helpful. I do want to emphasize to you that if you want to buy property in Puerto Rico, this is not a place for you to come and exploit. This is not a place for you to come and take advantage of. This is a place that deserves your heart, your soul, your commitment, because these are the best fucking people on planet earth. If this is something that you are thinking about doing, please make sure that you are also thinking about ways that you are going to give back for the privilege that it is to own a piece of our island. Please make sure that you're planning on staying in touch with the community. Please make sure that you're planning on making monetary contributions to organizations that are doing good work. Please make sure that you're planning to be a responsible neighbor and take care of the environment. We don't need nobody coming over there being a fucking colonizer. We need people who genuinely love Puerto Rico Island. And so if that's you, I welcome you to come and be my neighbor. And if that's not you, go do that shit somewhere else. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me. I have some great contacts when it comes to realtors and attorneys and all that stuff. So let me know. Absolutely. Respect the island and give us back our dignity by keep that shit out of the hands of trash ass people. And I'm really proud of the fact that I was able to secure this property, which was the inheritance of a fellow Boricua and know that like at least this little piece of the island is going to stay amongst us. I want so much more of that. All right, mi gente, we'll talk soon. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Que viva Puerto Rico. And I'll see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.